Well, amen. If you haven't already, please turn to Genesis chapter 26. If you're new or maybe haven't been with us for a little while, we've been in Genesis uh, for the better part uh, of the last year, uh, taking short breaks at different times to hear either guest preachers or to preach on specific topics, but we've been walking through Genesis since November, and I believe this is around the 28th or 29th sermon, and so to catch you up to speed, just as we read in our scriptural call to worship, God, who is above all other little g-gods, spoke all of these things into existence. He proclaimed that it was good, and then we see the fall that Adam and Eve, who were created to be in God's image to worship Him rightfully, to proclaim His goodness to the world, to be fruitful and multiply, they fell into sin at the deception of the serpent. We then see this cataclysmic shift of all of the people uh, that were made to the point where in Genesis chapter 8, the text says by our brother Moses that God regretted that he had made mankind and he sends a flood that was global to remove from the face of the earth every living thing. But there was one man who found favor in the sight of God. Noah, who was provided refuge through the ark, he and his family, to then go forth once again, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to show the earth what it was like for the worship of God's name to be on the forefront. And we see the continuation of sin through Noah and others. Then God calls out Abraham Abram at the time, to be set apart, to fulfill these covenant promises, that he would be his people, that God would bless him through Abraham's offspring. And then in chapter 25, we see that as God is continuing to re-up on this covenant promise, we see that Abraham has died. And here we see in Genesis chapter 26, as my heading says, the promise reaffirmed to Isaac. Isaac is Abraham's offspring, the seed of the promise. And here in Genesis chapter 26, we see God's continuing to reaffirm this promise, not necessarily through Abraham, but through primarily Isaac and then his offspring. If you were to summarize kind of the the point and thrust of Genesis chapter 26 is that God shows his blessing on his covenant people and that is seen by all. That God shows his promises through his covenant people and that is seen by all. To break that down into what the thrust of our sermon will be about, because we don't stay strictly in Genesis 26. We look at all of Scripture, and we see that for us today, God shows His blessing through His covenant people who faithfully walk with Jesus, and all will see. God shows His covenant promise or God shows his promise through his covenant people who faithfully walk with Jesus. 
So let's look at some of this text that Annie just read and others. I want to just quickly show you the rest of the content in Genesis chapter 26 because we won't stay there, but it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar if you've been with us through Genesis. It starts with a famine being the backdrop, and then what happens in the famine? God shows himself and he speaks to Isaac and says, follow me. Trust me. Don't go down to Egypt. Trust me that I will provide for you in a place where I will show you. Sound familiar? It's almost Genesis 12 all over again. Just as God had showed himself to Abraham, God now is showing himself through Isaac this reminder to trust in me and me alone. If that's not deja vu enough, verses 7 and following show this reminder of this person, this king of the Philistines, Abimelech. Abimelech knew Isaac's father, and Isaac follows his father to a T. Just as the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, what does Isaac do? He says, Rebecca, my wife? No, she is my sister. Abimelech, who just in Genesis chapter 18 with Abraham and with Sarah is in this same thing. He must have definitely been thinking deja vu was in play. And so here he is once again where the offspring of Abraham is saying the same thing of Abraham. She's not my wife, she's my sister. Abimelech finds out that Isaac and Rebekah are husband and wife, not brother and sister. And he says, what have you done to us? I've got to stop hanging out with the offspring of Abraham. But as that continues, Isaac is shown to be the seed of blessing. And we could very easily look at the ways in which Isaac is blessed and say, yes, Lord, give me that material blessing. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I'd do that. Just wait. It says that Isaac sowed seed in that land, verse 12, and in that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown. So here Isaac is living in the land of the Philistines in in, in Gehar, and he returns a hundredfold. We don't typically use that type of terminology. So to boil it down, the average salary uh, in the United States of America is $53,800. So let's just put on our thinking caps and say, in 2022, I make $53,800 a year. Well, in 2023, like Isaac, the Lord blesses you a hundredfold. Fold. That $53,800 is now $5.38 million. I think many of us would say, if my salary jumped that big of an increase, I'm moving to a different neighborhood. Maybe like the Beverly Hillbillies, we say, we struck gold, we're out. Isaac is materially blessed by God as a fulfillment of the promise made in Genesis 12, reaffirmed in 15 and 17, that he, in fact, would be the father of many nations, that the offspring would continue, and that he would make the offspring. This is God would make Isaac's offspring as numerous as the stars. So at this blessing... 
Abimelech and his leader, Phicol, are, are so dismayed. The, the blessing is so uh, envious that they cast Isaac and his family and his flocks and all of the things that he has accrued, and they say, get out of here. Leave us, verse 16 says, for you are much too powerful for us. So Isaac left there, camped in the Gehar Valley, and lived there. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, and that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. I want to point your attention to Genesis chapter 21, towards the very end. Genesis chapter 21, verses 22 and following, Abimelech makes this similar request of Abraham. Remember, it's set up in the context of a famine. The Philistines under Abimelech have stopped up all of the wells in the land that who dug? Abraham dug. They have stopped up the flowing of the blessing given by God, and they have completely rejected it as such. I don't know if you know how important water is. For us, it's very important. In 2022, you can go to your uh, I was going to say to your refrigerator, but you can go to your refrigerator, you can go to your bathroom sink, you can go to your kitchen sink, you can even go out to your front water spigot on the outside of your home, and you can find water like that. You don't have to go dig wells, it's there. Now, mind you, you'll get a bill at the end of the month, but it's easily accessible. In this time, not so much. In the midst of a famine, not so much. You would have to be a complete idiot to dry up wells that were dug and were profiting water. Yet this is exactly what the Philistines have done. At the end of Abraham's life in Genesis 21, Abraham and Abimelech strike this accord. Let me read Genesis chapter 21, verse 22. At that time, Abimelech, accompanied by Phicol, again, deja vu, same people in Genesis 26, God is with you in everything you do, recognizing, seeing, affirming. You are blessed by God. So what's their response? Swear to me by God here and now that you will not break an agreement with me or with my children and descendants as I have been loyal to you so you will be loyal to me, to the country where you are a resident alien. And Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham accompanied, uh, Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well that Abimelech's servants had seized. Same thing going on in chapter 26. Abimelech replied, I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. Abraham took flocks and herds and goats and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Abraham separated seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Abimelech said to Abraham, Why have you separated these lambs? He replied, you are to accept the lambs from me so that this act will serve as my witness that I dug this well. 
Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, because it was there that the two of them swore an oath. After they had made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, left and returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham lived as an alien in the lands of the Philistines for many days. What has Abimelech entered into covenant agreement with Abraham? Keep in good relation with us, and we will keep in good relation with you. You promise us that you will bless the generations that follow us, and we will promise our allegiance to your future generations as well. But just a few chapters later, here in Genesis 26, we see that that covenantal agreement between Abimelech and Abraham is not continued. For it is said that the Philistines had covered up all of the wells because Isaac had to reopen the wells that had been dug in the days of his father. Isn't it interesting that there are different responses to a blessing like this? There are differing responses to a blessing like this. For the Philistines, for Abimelech and Phicol, they desired to put an end to any type of blessing that Abraham or his offspring would have so as to continue to be an authority and power and so as to not have Abraham and his offspring rise to power. But one thing they've neglected. Who made the covenant with Abraham? The God who made it. The God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It is Him who has promised these things to Abraham and to his offspring. That's what's reaffirmed in verses 1 through 6 that Annie just read. That it's not dependent on Isaac's actions. That it's not dependent on these other things. It's dependent on God. But in the eyes of the Philistines, they wanted to put an end to the blessing, but they couldn't make it happen. So Isaac's servants dig wells, and they dig wells, and they find uh, water, or, or they continue to look for water. And, and at each point, it's, it's almost as if the Philistines are following them around. What, what are the people of Abraham going to do? What are Isaac's workers going to do? Uh, oh, they're, they're going to Abraham's well. What are they? They're taking out all the dirt. They're taking off the stone. They're trying to reuse the well that we clogged up. Why, why, are they, why are they doing that? And then when they have success, even again, they quarrel at these different times. Verse 19, that Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of spring water there, but the herdsmen of Gehar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they argued with him. Then, part two, they continue. They dig another well, verse 21, and quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Then he moved from there and dug another, and they did not quarrel over it. And Isaac named it Rehoboth and said, For now the Lord has made space for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. 
There's a saying that I'm assuming you all have, sur- have heard, that we are blessed to be a blessing. That we are blessed to be a blessing. Isaac seems to recognize this as, the God, con- as God continues to call him to faithfulness. He also recognizes that it is the Lord's doing all of these things, and it is just as his promise says, that by them... All the nations of the earth will be blessed. This goes for the Philistines. This goes for Abimelech. Yet they seemingly continue to reject this blessing. But Isaac proclaims, the Lord has made space for us. Let's be fruitful in the land. The Lord, again, just as in verses 1 and 1 through 6, appears to Isaac and reaffirms, This is who I am. I'm the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your offspring because of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. Isaac's servants also dug a well there. Then in verses 26 and following, you see, again, a covenant reaffirmed by Isaac and Abimelech. Then the end of this chapter ends with a note in verse 37, or verse 34 and verse 35, that when Esau, right, last chapter, we were talking about Jacob and Esau, that Jacob was... uh, prophesied to his mother Rebecca that you would have two nations in your womb, that the younger would have authority and dominion over the older. And so here we see that, young, that older in Esau showing that he will do just that, that he will continue to be a servant of his younger brother, but he will not do so in a kind way. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his, as his wives Judith, daughter of Behari, the Hethite, and Basemoth, daughter of Elon, the Hethite. They made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. This proclamation of who Isaac or who Jacob and Esau would be is showing itself progressively that it will not be a good end of the story. Why? Because God prophesied. God spoke and it happened. So here we have this backdrop in Genesis 26 of a famine and a blessed man in Isaac. So I want to try not to water it down too much, but I want to be able to apply how do we look at six or so thousand years ago and apply it right now, this moment. Let's remember, this promise is a progressing of Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head, and we see this weaved through Abraham's life, through his lineage to Isaac, and on to Jacob but let's not get ahead of a story. This is a fulfillment of that promise that will ultimately and finally show itself and show its fulfillment in who? Not in Abraham, not in Isaac, but in Christ. Paul writes in Galatians that he is the seed of the promise. 
This Jesus has and will finally conquer over all evil. He will set all things right. For those who trust in Him will and have been given, as the writer of Ephesians says, have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. A few quick applications before we continue through. These material blessings don't come devoid with following Christ. These blessings, even for Isaac, don't come devoid of following Yahweh. So we cannot expect that if we're going to go our own way, that the Lord is some way obligated to blessing our lives. That's foolishness. These material blessings are an outflow of God's promises. So for us today, those things should be seen finally and fully in Jesus. So don't seek all of the things this world has to offer. They're fleeting. They're fading. But what ought we to do? We ought to seek the kingdom of Christ. We ought to seek Him out. When Yahweh shows himself to Isaac. Here's what it says in verse 2. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. What is that? That is a command. What is he saying? Don't go down to the developed, powerful Egyptians. Go to where I lead you. God's promises, God's blessings happen in God's ways according to God's commands. They don't happen outside of it. There are no loopholes to it. You may be like Elon Musk and have tens if not hundreds of billions of dollars, but if you do not have salvation in Christ through faith by grace, you have nothing. Do we truly believe that? Maybe we say, hey, I don't want that whole thing. I don't want to have to suffer through a relationship with Jesus that's going to lose me things in society. Maybe I just like, hey, leave that over here. But if I could get the hundredfold thing, I'd really enjoy my salary to just... It does not happen that way. Similarly to this blessing being a part and tied integrally to the person and work of Jesus, we also see that this blessing comes from another person. Sure, this blessing is made and promised and kept good by Yahweh, but we see even to Isaac, when God shows himself and speaks to Isaac, he doesn't say, because you've been obedient, I will do these things. No, what does he say? He roots it in another. I will give all these lands to you and your offspring and will confirm the oath that I swore to your father. This is the back half of verse 3. Your father Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, and my instruction. 
It wasn't long ago that we were in the Gospel of John, and we could have easily looked at the Israelites who were following after Abraham. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, and they picked up stones to stone him. Abraham, as a patriarch of faith, is one to be followed. But Abraham came and saw not who he was, but who the coming Messiah would be. And he followed him. He anticipated and looked forward to that day. So don't follow Abraham as a pinnacle of obedience. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, who as the suffering servant came and obeyed the Father's will perfectly. To where Abraham would say, no, 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 no. Jesus, the Messiah, Listen to his father. Jesus, the Messiah, kept the father's instructions. Jesus, the Messiah, kept the commands of the law. Jesus, the Messiah, kept the father's statutes and his instructions. Brothers and sisters, friends, it's to this Jesus that we are called to faith. Abraham is a symbol of faith, but he is not the pinnacle. It is to Christ and Him alone. So let me, without trying to make this strictly material, call you to faith in Christ. Not for a blessing of possessions that He can add to your bank account. Not to wells that you might be able to provide all of these different things so as Isaac did. But let me call you to Jesus and faith in Him. Because it's in Him that in John chapter 4, we see the story of a woman who finds herself in a similar situation, finds herself down at the well, trying to draw water in the middle of the day. And Jesus, the Messiah, comes to her and tells her of a water and a well that will never dry up. Because the wells that Abraham's servants dug could be stopped up by the Philistines. They could be unstopped then by Isaac's family. But Jesus tells this woman in John chapter 4 that the well of living water springs up eternally. Friends, this is what we ought to desire. More than a hundredfold increase in our 401k or in our salary or in any type of assets that we might be tracking for ourselves, we ought to be vitally concerned about our heart. Our heart. Has your heart been transformed by this Jesus? Have you seen him to be worthy of all of your trust, of all of your affections? Friends, there is a blessing that in the end leads to destruction. The idol of physical or monetary and material gain will lead you straight to hell. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
So if this well that springs up to eternal life comes only through the salvation that Jesus Christ provides, how then are those blessings manifest? The writer of Ephesians says that all of these spiritual blessings come through Christ, that it's in Him. Our benediction text will be a few verses in Ephesians chapter 1. I would encourage you throughout this week to focus in on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and hone specifically in the repetition of in Him, in Christ. That it is through Christ. Friends, we live in a time like Isaac. While our famine is not that of which we cannot absolve by going to Kroger or another place, we live in a spiritually desolate place. And I don't just mean Eastwood, I don't just mean Kentucky, I don't just mean the United States. We live in a place this world that is riddled by the consequences of sin. We see it every day. We see uh, in the wake of the latest pandemic, we see skyrocketing numbers of suicides, of mental health disorders, of all of these kinds of things. Not to mention the debauchery that we see on our streets, on our news channels. We see it everywhere. People are doing the same thing that Adam and Eve did by taking authority and dominion away from God and taking that in and of themselves. We live in a world with a backdrop of famine. And we have, if we've trusted in Christ, been blessed. Do you know that? You may say, well, I don't, I don't really have the money to be able to make. Who cares? You have been given, if you've trusted in Christ, a well springing up for eternal life. The end of that story leaves with this woman who many say would become the first great evangelist. She goes into town and she tells everyone, let me tell you about the person who knows everything I've done. Friends, we live in a backdrop of famine and we have been blessed immeasurably more than Isaac through Christ. So will we continue to say, I really just don't have what I need to be able to do this? Or will we, like Isaac, say, the Lord has made space for us. Let's be fruitful. Let us proclaim the goodness of God in Christ. Let us proclaim to the ends of the earth. Salvation can be had in Him. Food will be given through Christ, through His body, broken for you. Water, let me tell you about Jesus. Now that could be a very spiritualized thing, and James sets us in a good trajectory by saying, when someone asks you for food or drink, don't say, go and do well. No, he says, give them food and give them water. We have not only been blessed if we're in Christ through faith, been given this great salvation, we have also 
by being citizens of the United States of America, been given far more material blessing than the majority of the world's population. Did you hear me? We have been given far more material blessing than the world's population. That average salary of $53,800 is far higher than what the global salary would be. I'd be willing to bet. We have been given both material and spiritual blessing. Are we willing to share that with others? Are we willing to say that it is in Christ that we truly believe that all nations will be blessed through Him? Friends, that's us if we are in Christ. We are called to be a blessing to those around us and to be a blessing to the nations with the gospel of Jesus. For it is that gospel that can quench the thirst of our souls. Let's share about him as we go. Let's not be like Esau who makes life bitter for his family. Let's go. And tell those who are in a famine of spiritual desert, we've found water. We've found water.